Hey community, we have a very special episode for you today. David Crowder joins Matt McCoy to talk about tracks and loops and being one of the first to use them in worship music, vocal care, scripture, crosswords, Christmas, and so much more. We hope you enjoy it and be sure to check out the master tracks for Crowder's newest Christmas album, Milk and Cookies, and you can get them all on loopcommunity.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Loop Live. My name is Matt McCoy. I'm the founder of loopcommunity.com and the host of the Loop Live show. And today we have a very, very special guest, David Crowder. And I am so excited to talk with him. He's written a ton of songs that as worship leaders, you've probably led at your church. And uh, I've got a ton of questions. I'm excited and ready to ask him. So we're going to take, if you have any questions that you want to type them into the chats, wherever you're watching this from, YouTube, Facebook, wherever, type into the chats. We might take some live if they're good. And uh, what are we waiting for? Let's bring in David Crowder. David, good to see you, man. Hey, thanks for having me here, man. I'm so glad to have you on here. We've never done an interview with you before, and I've always wanted to. So I don't know if you know, the whole reason that I started, first of all, using loops or tracks in worship, myself Uh as a worship leader, was because of you. And the whole reason... (laughs) I'm I'm not even kidding you. The whole reason loopcommunity.com even exists is because of you. Do you do <laughs> That's the, hysterical. Is it is it when we uh when we uh added the reason file yes. to our there you go. That's it, man. We were so hooked on reason at the time, man. We were like, we gotta people gotta know about this. This will change everything. It did change everything. And that was like what, in early two thousands, the Illuminate yeah. C D uh, you put it in your computer, drag the reason files off it. Maybe it was a, an A collision. You guys did that with that one as well. Uh-huh. It was a game changer, man. And my when you guys introduced me to that, I was a young worship leader, like probably 15 years old at a <laughs> church in Cincinnati. And when I first saw that you could combine leading worship, but also computers and technology and foot controllers yeah. and MIDI and reason, it blew my mind. And I've dedicated the past... 20 years of my life <laughs> to all things loops and tracks and worship. I and love it what, so much. That's what loop community is about. That that's rocks, you. man. That that's makes, you. That makes my day. That, that's, what, that's what I was there for. This is a huge we honor for me to We were hoping that would be the case, that somebody's be sitting on the other side of this thing and be like, just like us, mind's blown. Because, I mean, before that, we were before Reason stuff, before we started dabbling there, I mean, we're, you know, trying to make samples and load them into the, you know, Boss 404 and try to figure out how to play them back in the live deal. And it was a yeah. mess. Man. It was a yeah. mess. And then with Reason stuff, it was just, ah, ah this is, this is going to be a blast. Um, it was a game changer. Up equally. And I just want you to be encouraged that there are tens of thousands of churches around the world that are using tracks in worship now and i don't think they would be using it to the extent that they are maybe if at all if it wasn't for you guys introducing that seriously oh, like, it, 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 it was inevitable it was inevitable I, we're happy that we shoved people down the road early on um yeah i do think it was a game changer so um i actually want to show you a, a photo also okay. we got i'm going to pull this photo up so this is in early <laughs> this is in 2008 this is you Dude. and i and That's we're awesome. in since we're in cincinnati I was walking into a Walgreens and all of a sudden who comes walking out of the Walgreens, but yourself, David Crowder, and you're, you're pretty easy to spot. And I'm like, David, what? And so we took this that photo. Hilarious. 
That was a long time ago. I think you guys were playing at Bogarts that night in Cincinnati. Okay. For the rem- maybe it was a remedy tour. I'm not sure. But okay. Anyways, that's awesome. I just, I just wanted to throw that in there. So I'm let's trying talk to think about- what I was getting that day. Um, if it was Bogarts, Cincinnati. Um, there's also the, the, at, at that venue. There's a cool music shop right around the corner. Uh, did yeah. you check that? It has tons of vintage gear. Like that place. I think we kept trying to pick Bogart simply because of its proximity to that, <laughs> that music shop. Yeah, and I'm trying yeah. to think. I, uh, I don't on the road. I don't do. Uh, there was a couple of tours. Back. Remedy was one. I was probably going to to get a restock of Vicks uh, vapor <laughs> little capsules to put in my um, uh, inhaler. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was that that tour was a rough tour vocally. I was having yeah. a struggle, and so I guarantee that's why I was at the Walgreens. Either that or snacks. They've got a yeah. great chip selection. Yeah, yeah, they do. That actually just like reminds me of just a question that I've always been curious about of touring people. Like when you're on when you're going on tour, like how do you keep your voice from like going out or like getting oh. a cold like is there something you do to like keep yourself from getting sick okay equal game changer right here and so no not sick sick you just got to do stuff that you would normally do you know behave yeah. and go to yeah. bed early get good sleep which is really difficult to do while you're traveling uh, yeah. eat well no catering's not where you eat good yeah um, yeah so at least not in our sphere um so what happened on the, uh, one of the most recent tours, I was, it was towards the end. We had 11 dates in a row. So 11 nights in a row. And it was when we were touring Milk and Honey. So the last album that had come out, we were playing like 90 minutes plus. So long sets. And there are a number of songs that are fairly high in range on that album. Yeah. And so I was like, I was working. I was working hard. And it getting to the end of this 11-day row, it might have been night 11. And, or to know it had to be 10 because I have one more left. I know. And so the night before, I'm like, man, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I can get through two more shows. So I, I just do a Google search. I've already, I've already done all the stuff, you know, drink the teas, eat the honey, you know, do the yep. inhaler deal, keep uh, rested, all that crap I've done for years. And I'm yep. like, man, I need some. I, I can't go get the steroid shot. I don't want to do that because it's worse afterwards, you know. And I, I find this article by this vocal coach out of New York City. Who who helps opera singers most mostly world class opera singers. This is this is her this is their gal, and she has this long article about how steroid stuff is kind of bad. Like it, it'll it'll get you through that night. Like if you need to go sing at the presidential gala, this is yeah. your deal. Go get the shot. But then yeah. the next couple of days, your voice is going to be worse. And so I'm like, okay, I trust this girl. She knows what she's talking about. And then I get down to the end, and she's like, I wanted to find an over the counter de-inflammatory that you could that would work and there's got to be things that cut down on the inflammation inflammation is the problem and she says says i found one and it's this preparation h (laughs) i'm like wait what i go back no she's for real and she's like you take preparation h rub it on the outside of your throat on that you know right above where the adam's apple is and she's like wait do, do it for for men wait like one minute and, and then start talking slow and in a round voice and you'll hear a difference between where you were before and afterwards. And I'm like, I doubt it. So I'm by myself in the bus and I'm like, man, I need some preparation H. I got to try this. I got to see if it'll work, you know, see if we can get through the night. Yeah. And so I hit up Uber Eats <laughs> and you know, their commercials like, do you eat this or that? You know, what's yeah. toothpaste? Is that a, you know, is, is it yeah. Uber Eats? Well, I get the Walgreens speaking of Walgreens. There's one nearby. And so I, 
I hit up the preparation. They got preparation H, put preparation H in the cart. Uh, I start adding stuff, you know, so it doesn't look so suspicious. Uh, yeah. so speaking of chips, a pile, pile that cart full of chips, some yeah. sodas and stuff. And then I'm like, man, all they're going to see is that. And so I just delete everything else and just leave the preparation. I'm like, that. that's not getting me anywhere. They're yeah. going to see the preparation H and be like, oh, poor guy. So I hit go. And so then I'm standing outside on the street uh, like it looks like I'm looking, waiting for my dealer or something. It's like, you know, sideways yep. glasses. So this dude pulls up. It's this elderly Asian man. And he rolls down the window. It's on the passenger side. And I like reach in to grab it. And, and he, he reaches out with the bag. And he looks me in the eye and just goes, ha, ha, ha. He just laughs. He laughs no. and drives off. And I'm like, man, it's for my throat. <laughs> and, uh, that, didn't, that didn't That is thing. so, so funny. It, he go, He's gone. I do it. It works, man. I'm not really? kidding you. It works. It it it'll it'll last for about an hour, but you can wow. tell and hear a an immediate difference it, in one minute. I'm like, I'm sitting in the All bus. Right. I do it in front of the guys, and I'm like, this ain't gonna work. I do it. It's like it totally worked, man. So I'm gonna try that next time. That'll get you through, man. That'll get you in hard right. in a in a tight spot. That's interesting. H. All right, and maybe that's what you're going to the Walgreens for. I know it's before. Right. I knew. Oh, that was before, yeah. So let's talk about. Let's go back to tracks real quick. And I'm just curious, like, who inspired you guys to even do that? And then tell us a little bit how you guys ran them back then. Like, think back to like you know the early days, 2000. And then how has your view of using tracks changed from then to now? Oh, that's great. Um, and that's a lot. As I said, I our first um, toe in the water with that was with the Boss 404, and I'm trying to think. I think you know probably listening to Portis head with DJ shadow. Um, it, it, it might, it probably started mostly listening to some things that were more turntable based. And at the time we didn't have anybody on turntable either, which um, I think these, these things came along at about the same time. I looked around at the band and was like, okay, which one of us seems most inclined to have a deep record collection. And it was our, our violinist, Mike Hogan. he, I think he should have been a music critic, a writer. Uh, he, his knowledge of, of music was immense. And I'm like, dude, you're, I'm buying some turntables and you're going to learn how to DJ, yeah. you know? And yeah. um, so we got that thing going. And about the same time we were trying to figure out um, while he's getting up to speed on, you know, how to, how to bring live loops from album or vinyl into the equation. How can we also have some more, I don't know, nerdy, uh, stuff that we can just trigger some things or have a constant loop going. And it just seemed like that was a really simple entry air way for us was the boss yeah. 404. And we made most of our stuff by uh, recording um, be whack on the drums and then running it back through a guitar pedal. And um, I remember there was a particular song we were covering waves of mercy. And um, I remember Bwack and me on the floor trying to get timing right with with me on the wah pedal and him trying to get the sample thing going. So we got the right uh, loop section. Um, it, it was it was and it was a mess and it was just hard. And then playback was, yeah. you know, skittish and and somebody's got to hit things at the right time. Which you know we're a bunch of college kids, not professional by any stretch of the imagination. So there was a lot of it what happened with reason is like, Oh, so we can have this stuff being triggered with MIDI and, yeah. and be more in the moment where we're not worrying about 
did the 808 RCA, I mean, 404 RCA cable come, <laughs> come out or something. Yeah. I mean, it was yeah. so, so sketchy. Um, but I think like, I think that's, that's where the roots of it were uh, or at the time. Um, and then uh, we also used the, um, uh, a guitar pedal, a, a looping guitar pedal for some of it as well. And it would have some sort in the line six, uh, yeah. That that was the la- that line six delay oh, yeah, pedal, the green, green one. Pedal. Yeah, that was huge back in the day as well. We yeah. all of us had one of those, and and uh, yeah. we thought it was a godsend. Um, and then nowadays, I think that tracks are such a tracks are almost like where songs start now. You know, I I don't know that I've been in a lot of writing sessions where there wasn't a really solid programmer in the room um, that could get uh, um, sort of a uh, oral environment created at the same time that lyrics are happening, which I yeah. really dig. Uh, I think it's, I think that may be one of the biggest contributors to more poetic language in um, church mm. or liturgical songs now is that people are writing into a, an oral space where previously, you know, you're sitting at the piano or, or on a guitar. Um, I, I think that that's, that's contributed a lot to the, to the, lyric content of the music that we're, you know, having in church, having pop up in churches, which I haven't heard people talk about a lot, but I just think it's an interesting trend that you have the programming. I mean, if you've got a program in the room, this is, this is awesome to me. If you have a programmer in the room while rights going on, they're part of the right. When, when, you know, by law still, it's just melody and lyric that should be getting the copyright. I think it's amazing that the church is respecting, uh, well, I guess all of the industry in music is pretty much respecting um, programmers as much as um, those that are coming up with lyric and melody. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. So So, in terms of nowadays, how I view um, loops or supplemental sounds um, coming from somewhere other than a human, um, I think it's begun at the writing stage and is just as important and fundamental to the congregants experience as um, most of the players on stage. Yeah. Wow. That's super interesting. So who, who inspired you to start leading worship? If we go like rewind back <laughs> farther, like when you first started leading worship, who, who inspired yeah. you to start leading and songwriting? Okay. We can't using the word inspire is improper here. The, who manipulated <laughs> me and, and, and talked me into it is how we should say that. We, I, I was a, I was at school at Baylor um, in Waco, Texas, going to school. And, and uh, it was about my junior year that a good friend of mine, um, who was also a student at the time, uh, was like, man, I'm starting a church. It's going to be a mission uh, from another church in town, but it's just going to be directed to college kids. Just want a bunch of college kids there. There's just not a spot for them. And a lot of a lot of the way he was talking and thinking about it was one in terms of less dogma and more opportunity for people to uh, engage in very difficult questions um, and set some of our baggage down. Being at Baylor University, it's it was you know Baylor Baptist. It was pretty. It's heavily a Christian college campus uh, yeah. um and and so a lot of folks that were coming there were coming from a, a christian background upbringing a lot of church experience and there come what comes with that when you get away from the folks uh on your own in college encountering big ideas a lot of the stuff you have to sift through and decide what's your what's what's mine and what am i you know bringing with me that maybe i could set aside so 
a large part of it, of, of how he talked about this church was a place just for people to set down baggage and, and music. Uh, he felt like music and humor would be a great way to um, open people up to examining what they were bringing in the door with them. And he's, so he came to me and was like, Hey man, I know you're, somewhat musically inclined <laughs> um, and uh, would love for you to help out with this church start. And I was like, ah, absolutely not. That's a terrible idea. And being, he, he's a great pastor, <laughs> which means he's super manipulative, your <laughs> 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 spiritual gift. And yeah. so one of them. And so now he, uh, he talked me into it and, and um, man, it was, it was, it was really hard to be honest. I was on staff, went up on staff there for 16 years and it, it stayed predominantly a college or collegiate gathering. And man, to find to find college students to show up at, for a rehearsal or yeah. show up on a Sunday to play and pull it off. That was most of it was just trying to it's corral a job. Yeah, it was just logistical uh, work. Um, yeah. But I was mostly the music director or I was just the music director on the front end of things and on keys. And and um, just, as I said, trying to find players and, and rehearse and pick songs. And um, it wasn't until about a year in that the same dude, our pastor, was like, man, you need to start writing some stuff. Like, you know, all I was doing was rehashing old hymns. And it was really difficult at that time to find other songs that were happening within, uh, you know, the Western church or, and especially globally that would fit with the collegiate setting. Um, and so I was, you know, sifting through vineyard and Maranatha stuff back then. And to try to turn some of those things that were uh, connecting uh, with the larger American church was difficult. And so he's like, man, just start writing stuff. Say something. We need to say something from our local community. Our roots are here. Say something that's organic and from our soil um, would be just as healthy as trying to find historical connection and global connection. We also need to have some local enunciation of what it means to yeah. follow Christ in our context. And so he also was the I wouldn't call it inspiration, uh, manipulation of me beginning to write. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the whole time, my whole trajectory of what I'm doing, I feel like that's the summary of it. I, when when yeah. you're a part of a community of believers what I want to be is useful. I want to bring what I can to serve, you know, our cause, so to speak. And you're not going to call me to bring the casserole on Wednesday. <laughs> so yeah. how I can help, I think is, you know, by pitching in yeah. with, uh, with our time of singing together. And um, man, it's, not, it's I've, I've never thought about it in terms of inspiration. It's always been function and, and utility. Yeah. So very utilitarian in my thought regarding what I do. You've been doing this a long time. What are some of the ways that you've seen worship music change over the years? Um, you know, one thing I'm probably proud of is there are a lot more, there's a lot more facial, facial hair now. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot more beard representation. Yeah. Man. yeah. Um, no, I do think, uh, as I was talking about the way songs are written, I do think that there's um, uh, a more poetic uh slant to lyricism now um that then when i began it was very um you know praise chorus i guess was the model that that entered after him um uh, and and then then songs started turning into more pop um um, outline of a structure songwriting structure Uh, i i I love it i think that um the music that's happening liturgically is pretty competitive and on um, par with what we encounter outside of our um, gatherings on a Sunday. 
your style has also changed a lot over the years. You know, if you think back to David Crowder, like 98, yeah. to like Crowder 2022, I mean, the style has changed a lot. How do you, where do you see your style heading next? And also like, how do you even determine that? <laughs> I, I don't necessarily know. Um, I know what yeah. I'm into right now. Um, and that I think has been a, a model that I, I learned early on being in a college setting, musical tastes are so fluid and also the ear to what is happening on the fringes of things was, it, it was just like part of the you know structure. You know, if it was too popular, that meant it was not what we were listening to, you know? So yeah. I think there was, yeah. there was, that was built in early on to always be on the search for the, the thing that moved me, um, in the moment in a, in a way that I previous. So I, I think it's almost like you, you are turned into a consumption junkie in the best way, because I think we take stuff in that we're then mm -hmm. able to, um, I, I guess, re, you know, it's like eating a good meal with a friend and you take a bite of the steak and you're like, Oh my gosh, yeah. you've yeah. got to try this. And I think that that, that's a great descriptor of how I consume and when I find something that I want to share, I want to share it immediately. And so that keeps my, that keeps what I'm making really fluid. Um, and, and, and as soon as I, and, and this was part of the, you know, band early on, as soon as we would find something that we were comfortable with, we started getting nervous. It's like, Oh, now we know how to do, um, you yeah. know, to pick on reason as soon as, as soon as we're always going to the same patches in reason, yeah. same, you know, same plugin immediately we would just change the rules. Okay. We can't use such and such for this yep. next, you know, cycle year, whatever. Um, yeah. I think that, that, uh, work ethic, uh, and model is still very present with me. I, you know, I don't want to do what I did. I want to do something that's, that's keeping me on my toes and making me yeah. turn different knobs and, and turn to different gear than I yeah. did last time. Um, which keeps, which keeps your closet full of gear. Yeah, right. I know. <laughs> Speaking of, I saw a video somewhere. I can't remember where it is, but of your home studio, which I think you're sitting in now. Yes, I'm in there now. And yeah, it's amazing. Your studio is it's like so cool. Did you produce all of your own music now, or like what does that look like? And if it's so, a, how did how did you even learn how to? Now do Now I have um like the last record. I had what I would consider um. And, and in fact, the Christmas album, I just rolled out the milk and cookies deal, which the title I will always, yeah, um, it's, it's perfect. Uh, but, uh, this production team with Jeff, um, uh, Soka and, um, Ben Glover, um, and the way we, we fell into a rhythm, which means I'm probably going to blow it up soon, <laughs> but and we fell into this rhythm that is beautiful. I, I get to make a bunch of stuff here and then, uh, either send or this last one, we were in each other's space a lot. Uh, Jeff is more on the programming side of things. Ben is yeah. um, an amazing lyricist and, and uh, he's a, he's a great player. Um, and so it's, I would say it's equal parts. A lot of the, a lot of the writing that I've been doing has been um, in the moment with Jeff doing programming stuff. And then uh, um, when we're not in the same room, I'm making stuff here and sending it. And trying yeah. to find what ideas catch, um, so I'm in I'm in this space yeah. a lot. And then most of the vocals and uh, uh, instrumentation that I play, I, I do here. Um, okay, and you do all your vocals really, there. Yeah, I got a great vocal chain, and it just I mean I've done vocals 
lots of different ways for many years. And I feel like the ones that turn out the best are when I'm alone and, yeah. and, uh, and, and so for whatever, well, <laughs> just and you like probably really competitive compared well, for, it, and you can probably also sneak down there and do them like when you're really feeling like your vocals that's, are like, that's, too, that's half of it. Yeah, you're right. That's probably half. You know, there's of it. certain days where it just like, I don't know, your vocals just feel good. And you're like, all right, I'm going to go down and record now. This is when it, yeah, this is when it goes. It's so what would you say? Yeah. What's your superpower as far as like when you're like producing, when you're making music down there in the studio, what is your superpower? Is it like beats? Is it synth melodies? Like what is the. Um, it really, it, the way that I designed, that we designed this is so that there's a lot of different, I guess I call them like stations. So we got like the synth station, the synth wall, whatever you want to call it, where, uh, and then uh, <laughs> this little guy right here, um, the, this little guy. Yeah. Man, I'll just, I'll just mess with it and get a beat going and just have yeah. it cycle while, while I get to yeah. mess with a bunch of other stuff. Um, and, and then. You know, there's a number of sample libraries that I've gotten, and, and then Splice Splice helps a ton. Uh, I know that you know it's been so overused that people kind of ah Splice, but I'll find right. a lot of um, yeah, there's a lot of fresh stuff, things that make the song happen. And uh, as I said, when it, there, it's easy to write into an environment really quickly um, yeah. with Splice, um, and then there's new banks of sounds and and uh, textures that come all the time so i'm always i'm looking at splice a lot and then the other side that i haven't done a lot in the past um and why i call them stations there you know my drawers in the desk have like it feels like you're at guitar center there's like a boss pedal board <laughs> drawer yeah. and then there's like a all the good pedals are yeah are, uh, on the bottom uh, and, and and so guitar texture stuff has really yeah. um become a a tool for me that wasn't in the past. Cause I would depend on right. um, particular people for that. Yeah. To do that. Yeah. So what do you use? And you use an Ableton logic reason. I mostly start in Ableton. Uh, okay. And I, I, I don't, there, um, our, our MD now is a heavy um, logic guy, but I'm usually Ableton and pro tools. Um, I'll do yeah. most programming stuff in Ableton. And then um, most of the, uh, analog captures like vocals yeah. and guitars um, and pro tools. And then, yeah. yeah, so that's, and just run in Ableton and rewire in, yep. pro, in, yep. in pro tools. So pro tools open Ableton on top. Yeah. That's awesome. So changing gears a little bit, just give us a sneak peek into like, what is a normal week or what does a normal day look like for you? And maybe there's <laughs> not a normal week or normal day, but like, Think back to just like a normal Monday or a normal Tuesday. Like, yeah. what, what does it look like? Are you well? Um, I've had the opportunity um, to be home more than I have in years, thanks to um, you know viruses. Yeah. <laughs> right. So right. yeah, that was because uh, we uh, from the beginning. I've just traveled a lot. You know, we're on the yeah. road more than a lot of people. I've just viewed because uh, a lot of it is due to the type of. Um, the liturgical music I'm making, it's very niche, you know, there's not, it's not as broad as, um, and so I feel like I've always just been like, man, if we're out, if people are in a room, I'd, you know, I'd, I'll be on the road as much as people are willing to have us singing, you know? And, yeah. and I viewed myself more in the widespread panic fish, Dave Matthews band, just road, road dogs, yeah. Uh, yeah. rather than, um, you know, uh, radio stars or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and when the man, when the, pandemic stuff hit and the brakes got slammed down 
I, I didn't know what to do. I was like, okay, we're about to have what they call routine. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah. the, my first instinct was to help with my wife. You know, she's got, she does design stuff now. And uh, I thought this will be great. I can help and be like a part of what she's up to. And, you know, I, I got that down, you know, I, I can, I can help. And yeah. I got fired pretty quickly. <laughs> she's like, this is not, like, you need yeah. to go stay in your yeah. lane, go down there and make beats or something, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, so what, what I did, what I did happen into is I didn't, you know, I did what I looked up, Hey, what do, what do people do during uh, downtime and all the lists that we all looked at, you know, learn Spanish. All right. So I started learning Spanish. Uh, crosswords are great knitting, you know, what you know, that list that we were like, oh, I'm yeah. going to start all this stuff. Well, some of those still took. And so like this Monday, it, it starts with, scripture every day i think that's that's mm. like and this is that you know it sounds like oh the guy makes church music he he should say that man yeah. I, i'm i am so in love with scripture right now it's like mm. it um early on to give a little context um coming out of church background parents yeah. very devout in faith i was just very suspect because a lot of my church experience it felt like people could bend scripture to whatever slant or agenda they had at the time. And a lot of it felt really unhealthy. And so I just thought, man, this is why scripture needs to be read in the context of community. You know, it, we used to not have this book in our hands because it can be dangerous. Um, and, and for many years, that was really my, my feelings. And, and, and I, they were, the thoughts were strong regarding that. And, and, and yeah. for me, it just felt like, man, this, this is, this is for us to read as a collective. Um, and man, over the past number of years, probably when there's a couple of moments where life got really, really difficult, man, I fell in love with scripture all over again. And, mm -hmm. and so that's that, man, I don't know how I get through a day without, um, reorienting it just reorients my mind to what reality is. Um, without it, I, I feel like I'm kind of just the rudders mm. all over the place. And, um, and it's hilarious it too. It's so funny. I'm reading this, uh, translation right now. It's called God's word and it's, it's pretty literal. Uh, just like what the Hebrew says yeah. it just, it is. So it's kind of, it's kind of, uh, the, the way that storytelling goes is a little out of order for English yeah. readers, but, um, it is hilarious man i'm talking it is some funny crap I, I have this system where i um i have different highlight colors you know when you when you come across a verse you're like ah, i probably ought to you know next time i'm around check this out remember this so yeah. i have a typical yellow means theologically oriented this is how our you know faith is formed and why we say particular things are god's approach to humanity is this is one of those verses um so those a lot of yellow um, but my favorites are the greens and the purple green, green, green is kind of weird. Like, Oh, that's, that's kind of strange, you know? And then yeah. the purple is super weird. Yeah. <laughs> and you wouldn't believe how many purple verses there are in, in the old Testament, yeah. man. There's a lot of purple, a lot of purple. Yeah. And I think yeah, that, and that, just even and... that approach alone has helped me um, love yeah. scripture and the, the way it all, the arc of it, all pointing to um, the salvation that comes through the person of Christ is just, it's, it's brilliant. And it's a reason that there were so many ancient copies of it floating around and why you can depend on it is because yeah. it's been an amazing 
it's just amazingly put together. Um, is there a plan you so, follow? Uh, I just read it from beginning to end over and over and over and over. Yeah. Wow. So it's just boring start to finish, start to finish, yeah. start to finish. But it, it's weird how yeah. um, over the last number of years, what I'm reading is like so yeah. timely. So I don't know if yeah. I just happened to start. I just started on, start. Uh, yeah, I started on Independence Day for the first time. So it always comes back around. Yeah. Um, and and uh, that's the cycle. And it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, Bro, anyway, you got to try there's this plan that I've done the past two years called Professor Horner's Reading Plan. Okay. And you basically read the whole Bible in about eight months. But it's cho- it's basically if you took the Bible and like chopped it up in equal parts, like 10 bookmarks. Uh-huh. So you okay. read like 10 different chapters a day, but all throughout the Bible. So the, you're going through the whole Bible, but like in 10 pieces as you go through. Oh, that's okay. I don't know if that makes any sense. But what's so cool about sense. it. Is that what's so cool about it is that you start seeing all these cross references and how like something in Genesis is relating to something in Second Kings and like it's it blows your mind. Oh, that's awesome. Professor Horner's reading plan. I've got it written down. I will yeah, absolutely try, try be checking time. it out. That's really cool. If you couldn't do music anymore, what would you spend your time doing, do you think? Oh and I guess we were kind of talking really, about that. I oh, got yeah, really distracted. I was gonna tell you routine. So routine yeah, yeah. and then and then the only thing I'll throw into that is crosswords. I <laughs> used to be terrible at crosswords and, and I was like, during yeah. the pan, I'm like, man, I'm just going to try this again. So New York times crosswords, they released the, the, the one for the next day at 10 o'clock Eastern time. Yeah. I'm that guy who's waiting for 10 to come around so I can do Friday on Thursday. That's that bad. Wow. It's the yeah. sickness. Yeah. So I love crosswords now too. That's a change. So and then I am still trying to help my wife. Like, um, I was over yesterday at sh- sh- my wife's finishing up. This is kind of cool. A house that's a studio house and it has like four studios in the house. This guy just knocked on our door one day. I was like, Hey man, what is this place? And yeah. we don't know who it is or anything. And I'm like, it's where it's, it's where I live. <laughs> it's my home. And he's yeah. like, Oh, okay. And he said, well, we were trying to find a place to do. I, he's like, I do. I'm in the music industry. I do, uh, you know, I, I've got a lot of artists I work with yeah. and um, we're trying to turn a house into like a writing studio. And I'm like, oh, come on in. And so I take him down here yeah. to the studio and I'm like, something like this. He goes, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I'm talking about. And, yeah. I, and I just went to Tony and like, well, here's your lady right here. So they had her go buy a house and stuff. And it turns out it's Boo, who's Akon's brother, who oh, wow. he's like now vice president at Columbia Records and he's got a bunch of these developmental or develop artists in, in Atlanta. And, and so she's finished up this studio space. That's, I mean, wow. too perfect that she's working on this thing. She's like, I already done some studio yeah. work. I'm, uh, I'm sitting in one. Yeah. Um, so, so I was over there helping, uh, hang some stuff, insulation stuff with a guy up in an attic. And, um, yeah. so I still get to, she, I, she hadn't fired, fired me. So that's still part of my routine when I'm at home yeah. is I can pitch in. And uh, luckily the one she's working on right now is kind of down my alley, but yeah, that's crosswords, manual labor and scripture. Yep. Mm-hmm. Was, was the pandemic pretty hard? Was it hard for you? Uh, no, I actually loved it. I wound up really, and I'm a, I, I'm more of an extrovert. I like people. Um, and mm-hmm. I thought, man, it's, I'm going to go nuts here. Um, yeah. but man, the pace of it, it was, it was beautiful. Um, yeah. I think we had a uh, the fortune of um, not a lot, you know, it didn't really 
take family members or yeah. uh, all of my guys in my band and the production crew, everybody made it through. They're all scrappy. And so found work to get us. So my, yeah. my, my core uh, relationships, uh, we didn't, you know, it didn't press against us too hard. Um, yeah. But That's yeah, good. so it wound up, we made it through and it turned into being a really rich time of introspection yeah. And, yeah. and home life. It was yeah, awesome. That's good. That's good. All right, we're almost out of time here, but I've got two quick questions for you. Um, one, if you were sitting down with a young 16-year-old worship leader who's were just getting started into making music or doing church music, what tips, what would you what would you want to say to him when he's just getting started? Man, um that discipline um and discovery go hand in hand. That I think it's worthwhile. Uh, to form habits that are outward looking that I'm going to try to try that your main job is to, to find things that you're inspired by and then take them apart. And that takes a lot of discipline. I think once you, um, you know, you can, you can be just concentrated on learning guitar well or uh, learning Ableton well and to be able to get around in it. But, but then you've, you're lacking something to say with the, stuff that you've you know accumulated um so i think half of it for me is a collector collecting things and the other half is trying to to share a bit of stake with you and i think discipline and discovery um go hand in hand that would be it and then find good friends (laughs) that are smarter than you yeah Yeah. find people that you're excited about hearing what they have to say and showing you new stuff and that'll keep you moving forward as well yeah that's good man and then, sorry, I saved the best for last, but awesome. uh, milk and cookies. Tell us about it for Christmas. <laughs> milk and cookies for Christmas. That's coming. Dude, Christmas it's is coming. Man. It's too early. Um, you know, I, I've started the the press cycle now talking about it. And I'm like, yep. man, at the Crowder House, we didn't do Christmas till Thanksgiving was over, man. So it's like, it's it's hurt it's hurting inside to talk about it until you can play Christmas songs. I don't think you should play Christmas songs until we've done with the turkey. I, in yeah. my mind, you keep yeah. the beverages separated. You know, it's like <laughs> pumpkin spice. We get all the way through pumpkin spice before mm-hmm. you move on to the wassail. You know, yeah. Then get on with the cinnamon and, and uh, you know ciders. So uh, yep. it's early for me. Uh, however, there are some really funny songs on it. I think there's a couple of songs that I've been hanging on to and being like, man, when I get back to this Christmas time, uh, these are my. This is where I'm gonna start. The Elf song. Yeah. You know, we've already gotten feedback um, in some of the more conservative Christian slices (laughs) of our beautiful church. What do they say? Um, The elf. They're like, man, we don't believe in elves. I'm like, (laughs) I don't. I don't think anybody believes in elves, man. Like, I'm glad. That's good. That's good. I think that's healthy. I think the only people believe in elves are like they live in Iceland, and they're pretty sure gnomes are running around. You know, but other than that, I think we're all in that same boat together. And then there's a song about cutting the beard like Santa. It humanizes the elf song, by the way, is a worker's rights song. You know, I'm standing up for the little guy. <laughs> they do all they do a lot of work. Santa gets all the stuff. You know, yep. everybody's Santa, Santa this. Uh and the guy works like he doesn't even have a job. It's like one day right. a year, you know, he's he's right. at it. And the rest of it, it's all elves. Um in similar vein, uh, I got a song called The Ballad of Mrs. C. And and uh, the first line is she's so sick of the beard, and you know it just humanizes the their relationship, yeah. 
And, you know, you think of him one way, it's just this jolly old man that's giving, but man, he's got a home life. Yeah. He got stuff and same yeah. thing, you know, it's like, man, I miss that dude under that, under that yeah. shrubbery. Yeah. yeah. And so it could be an analog as well. What you're saying life. is all these songs are really great for your Christmas Eve service. Yeah. Oh, you'll church. be playing them in church all, yeah, for years <laughs> and years. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's awesome. some heart to it too. And uh, yeah. I, I think as, as I've mentioned, I've found, that humor is a great way to drop a lot of baggage and to lower our guard where there's such fragility living and breathing um, in relationships. And man, when you start laughing, you're not thinking about what your face looks like so much, you know? And I think that's a, what I've tried to do with this Christmas album is put Santa Claus and Jesus right next to each other. I mean, that's what we grow up around Uh, every year as a kid. It was pretty pretty interesting and i think my parents did a great job of weaving those stories and so i I tried to try to put those in the same place at the same time and and explain why this is such a beautiful time of year it can be heavy for a lot of us uh especially coming out of the last few years that we've had um not all of us are around the tree uh together and and so it can be heavy and i'm trying to bring a little lightness and some beauty to what can be hard and and also there's it's it's it changed everything if it's true, yeah. it changes everything. So that's what it we're did, singing yeah. about every Sunday as well. Man, it's so good. All right. Well, I, I want everybody to go listen to that album, of course. And David, I just appreciate you taking the time to even have this conversation. And thank you for the years that you've just poured in to churches and worship leaders with your songs and your humor and uh, musical genius, honestly. Thank you. Because no, you've really loved to move the bar forward, man. Well, I've loved getting to do it and love still getting to do it. You know, as long as it's useful, yeah. I'll keep plugging away. Um, but it's a blast. Though. It's just amazing. I'm sure yeah. you know how fun it is to get to help the church thing. It's awesome. Yeah. We're very thankful for you. So thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me again, right. man. And have a great rest yeah. of the day. Yeah. See you at Walgreens See sometime. You yep. yeah. <laughs> See you, man. All right, guys. We talked about a ton of really interesting stuff. Preparation H. Walgreens, uh, voice care, Christmas music. Speaking of, go and listen to Milk and Cookies for Christmas by David Crowder. Uh, It's going to be a great uh, album for your Christmas season this year. So anyways, type down in the chats what's one thing you're walking away from this conversation with and make sure you hit subscribe so you stay uh, updated on future interviews. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Matt. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, let us know what you thought. Write down in the comments wherever you're listening, watching from what you thought. Make sure you send us a message, subscribe to our channel, YouTube, Facebook, and stay tuned for more from Lip Community.